And then as it got close to us, it sped up. And so I think it hit us going 25, 30 miles an hour. And the guy just swerved right into us. I was screamed at the top of my lungs for him to stop when I realized, you know, that we were in danger. And he looked me in the eyes and I mean, I made eye contact with the guy and his face was just totally like a blank stare. And so I... Episode 103, I bring on Rachel Hart. Not sure if you guys remember this one. Do you remember when that kid, that punk-ass kid, ran into this girl and her baby in a stroller in Venice, California? This dude beelined towards them some way, somehow. The kid and the mom are fine. This was a few years ago. Her name is Rachel Hart. She's on the show today. She talks about the incident, the day. She takes us in the entire day how it happened. We get into some political talk. Of course, George Gascon, the district attorney of Los Angeles, she's most annoyed by for good reason. So let's do it. Episode 103 with Rachel Hart. Here we go. Just to start things off, you look like a girl who is active and likes, likes to get out and exercise. Have you ever done this three day fast that Dana White and Gary Brecca has made famous? No, I saw something. Um, I, I don't get on Instagram all that much, but I saw something in your story about it. You're not drinking water. Is that what it is? No, I'm drinking nothing but water. Oh. <laughs> and I'm there's like food everywhere around me today. And I started today. So today's obviously the first 24 hours. So I got two more days to go. But I, I, could, I could include bone broth. Tomorrow, twice a day. Tomorrow, and then and then two more times on uh, Thursday. But I like I walked into our pantry, and there's like some even crackers. I'm looking at crackers. <laughs> I turn it over, and I'm like, "How many calories are on this thing?" And I and I'm like, "Oh man, there's calories and crackers." Oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you? Have you thought that about miserable? It, it it is. It's absolutely miserable. I'm just thinking about the benefits on on you know Friday morning. That's the only thing I could think of. So. What are the result? What are the benefits supposed to be? Well, you're killing all your dead cells. You're recreating new cells. You're getting rid of seventy percent of cancer cells. You're thirty percent unlikely to get uh, Alzheimer's, and um, you get rid of inflammation. Uh-huh. No brain fog. And everybody has said all this. Like everybody has said, like that that last day. He's like, dude, my mind is so clear. Like words are coming in and out. Like they've never been before. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you, how are you supposed to do that? They to, say once like, or twice a year. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Once or twice. It's bad, Rachel. It's really bad. Especially <laughs> when you're in the middle of it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can imagine I'm trying to not eat meat and I'm like, I just went to freaking Costco and I'm like, all this place is, is meat and cheese. You Isn't know? it funny when there's something you can't have, it's always around you, or at least that's what you're, you yeah. know, that's what you're around all the time. That's yeah. how it happens. Yeah. Sorry, you look like a freak. Um, well, first off, thank you for making the time, uh, when this initially happened and, and we had an intro. So people that are listening right now are up to speed as to what's happening. If they weren't aware as to what happened a few years ago with you and your kid, I tried to find you because I wanted to get you on when this thing was fresh, but I was like, man, she's probably in who knows what kind of world right now. So I, I, I tried for a little bit then I just kind of let go. And then saw John McKinney, the guy who's running for a new district attorney in LA uh, I saw you guys together. He tagged you, and I got really excited. I hit you up. We we then finally got a date together, and I appreciate you being here and making the time. It really means 
a lot. First and foremost, how how are you and how is your baby? We're great. Um, we we left Los Angeles hmm. uh, as a you know direct result of of George Gascon's policies. I didn't feel safe. It was it was such a traumatic event that um, you know we just didn't really see a stain in the house that we owned, so we sold it because it happened pretty much right outside of our home. But yeah, so, so we, we, we left LA. Um, we're up in the Bay Area now. And it's, it's, it's good. I miss, I miss the LA weather, uh, for sure. But uh, we're, we're, we're both healthy. I've got some lower disc issues in my back from the accident. But other than that, you know, and, and I'm doing some trauma therapy finally. Um, but yeah, otherwise, we're, we're, we're happy, healthy and in good shape. So you came from San Francisco, then you went to Venice, and now you're back to San Francisco? Is that what happened? Yes. Okay. As you know, California kind of runs the same way. L.A., San Francisco, the district attorney over there is no, no, dif- no different. The governor is still the governor in California. You still feel safe in San Francisco? Well, we're not in San Francisco proper. We're oh. in Marin. It's very safe here where we are. Okay. Uh, when I do go into the city... It does feel much safer than Los Angeles does to mm. me. You know, we've got in, in San Francisco proper a pretty bad homeless situation, but it's just a speck compared to what's going on in Los Angeles. And in San Francisco, if you're, you know, if you're in the financial district, you don't see so much of it. It's really that tourist hub up Market Street and then like the retail, which is why retail has left San Francisco, but it's it's pretty condensed. I mean, you'll see homeless people if you go into nice neighborhoods like Pacific Heights, but they're, for the most part, you know, keeping to themselves or that they're the type of homeless that, you know, doesn't want to be, you know, disturbed or bother anybody. But if you, you know, the rough and rowdy crowd is is down in the Tenderloin and that's where they've got the open air drug markets and all that jazz. Mm. So you guys, I'm assuming you're from California? I'm not. I'm actually from Georgia, but I, I pretty much was raised in California. My husband's from Texas, uh, but he moved here. 30 years ago. And it's hard to get out of the state, right? It is. My husband has a has a a business and has multiple offices up and down California, so it's, you know, we were lucky to be have the option to leave Los Angeles um and and have a couple places to choose from where we could go, but um yeah, it's it's pretty tough to leave to leave California. That uh the the clip when when that day that it happened in Venice, California. By the way, Venice could be a third world country. The last time I was there, it was it's an absolute disaster. And that was like I want to say three years ago. I went for a poke bowl that I heard was really good. It was in a little shack. It took me an hour and a half to get there, hour and a half to park. The poke bowl was not that good. And <laughs> and I'm looking around. And I'm like, dude, where where am I? Am I in California? Like, what is happening to this place? It was crazy. I can't imagine what it's like today. And that was about the time when this incident happened. The clip, have you have you watched the clip since? Oh, hundreds of times. Wow. Yeah. Really? So you do yeah. it, You and it's recent? Like, when's the last time you watched it? Um, you know, I just recently flew down to LA to, to speak at a fundraiser for John. Uh, so I watched it a few times before then just to kind of refresh. I mean, I, I know what happened, but visually refresh my memory. It, it also kind of maybe evokes some emotion. I started, I th- just mentioned trauma therapy um, a few months ago. And so I've watched it to help kind of prepare for the sessions that I've, I've had. 
Um, so I, I've seen it, you know, I don't watch it. It's not like I like play it back all the time, but I, I've seen it, you know, recently. What kind of feelings do you get? I'm pretty numb to it, to be honest. Um, you know, it's really, at first, at first, it's really hard to wrap your head around something so horrific happening to you. And then I feel grateful that I, I have the video footage because it's in my head. It played out pretty close to what happened. But to, to see, you know, did I do what I thought I did, which was step in front of the car and try to throw my child's stroller up into the air? Yes, I did. But seeing the video, like as I was as I hit the windshield and rolled off the car, I thought the front tire was going to run over my head. Cause I saw that as I was falling down to the ground and I thought I was falling in front of the car off the nose, but I fell off the side of the car. I mean, obviously my head would have gotten run over and I wouldn't have lived to see the, uh, to see the video had, you know, what had that happened, how it played out in my head, but it's, it was just, it was a weird thing to, to watch, but I'm really grateful that, that I have that piece of, you know, I don't know, data to, mm. to, to check, to check the crazy things that go on in your mind after something like that happens. Does your therapist tell you to watch that video from time to time? No. Um, it's a lot of, it's mostly, I do something called EMDR, which is, I forget what it stands for, but it's basically like eye rapid or eye movement, rapid something or other. But you, you recall, you, you, you talk to her with your eye or him with your eyes closed you recall, you know, the memory and you kind of she'll they'll prompt you with questions like, you know, how are you feeling in this moment? And this, you know, just kind of guide they they have prompting questions that guide you through the the therapy. And then when you get to a certain point that's like where you're welling up with emotion, they have you open your eyes and you move them rapidly back and forth between two two spots. And it helps your brain process the trauma. It's really interesting. It sounds totally kooky, but it totally works. Wow, that is awesome. So, yeah. so now when you see that clip, it doesn't hit you like it did initially. Correct. That's awesome. Your baby is how old today? He just turned three in November. And how old was he in the uh, when the incident happened? Eight months. Wow. And he had uh, it's a it's a male, right? You said Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie. Charlie. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Charlie had a couple like bumps and bruises, right? There was no real trauma to the head or any of his body parts. He he was scraped up. The tire, the front tire, actually hit the back of his head. So we had a tire mark across the back of his head. Um, it just grazed it, thankfully, but um, one of the, the shots that Fox News loves to use is they're like, you know, catch you shot is um, the stroller falling and you can see the tire actually touching his head in the, in the, in the still shot. It's just, I mean, how, how neither of us, walk, you know, were really seriously injured is just amazing. You lifted the stroller high enough so it doesn't hit the nose of that punk's car. Mm -hmm. And you think that essentially saved your baby's life? I know it did. I mean, that and it wasn't, it, it was a Thule stroller, you know, that brand, um, you know, it's like super sporty brand. Mm -hmm. It's a five, five point harness. I mean, you, you see a lot of, you know, kids just strapped into some rinky dink little contraption this is a jogging stroller and and i attribute also um you know aside from me trying to throw it in the air the the wheel the wheel well of the tie of the stroller 
um, was much wider than the actual stroller itself. And so when the car hit the wheel of the stroller, it propelled the stroller in the air and kind of flipped it around. And, and that I think that is what really saved him. You think Charlie has any uh, PTSD from it? He did Im- immediately after. He would, um, flowers became a trigger for him. We we received so many flowers, you know, from wow. everybody who knows us that every time we received flowers, and it took me like, you know, one or two times to figure out what was going on, but he would just become inconsolable, hysterical. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't hold him. He was just, he would flail his whole body, like just a total reaction to the flowers. Um, he's fine with flowers now, thankfully, but it was, it, that lasted for a good month or two and it, it was just really sad and really hard to watch because mm. I couldn't do anything to, to make him feel better. And is he good today? Do you, do you think he's got any of that, any of that in him that's, that's a remembrance? It's really hard to say. Um, he will get, you know, it's, he's a kid and I mean, he's speaking now, but it's not super clear and, you know, it's not. You know, he's a three-year-old. Um, but when he gets scared of something or, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, he will cling to me like a kid clings to their mom. But a part of me feels like it's just a little bit more he knows I have his back. Like, hard. I can't really put words to it, but it's um, it feels yeah. a little deeper than the whole, like, you know, save me, help me, mom, that, that most kids, you know, experience. Is Charlie your one and only? He is. You guys, do you guys want another one or? No, yeah. my husband has three full grown kids from a previous marriage. So yeah. we are one and done for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I ask you to take me through the day, is that hard for you to do? Nope, not at all. Can you take me through the day? Is this a routine that you've done in the mornings? It was. I mean, after we got hit, my my life totally was upended. But we, you know, I'd take him on a walk in the morning. I think at that age, they, you know, he was, I remember, I always walk fast, but I was walking particularly quickly that morning because he was crying. Um, and we were almost home. I mean, we were steps away from making the turn off onto our little walk street. So I was walking really fast. And it was just about time for him to take a nap. I think he was napping at like 9.30 or 10 those days. And, and this happened, I think, at 8.40 in the morning. We were walking. I saw the car coming. And I saw it from a distance. It was a one-way street. Um, and the car was going the wrong direction, headed towards us. So I could see, you know, it way down the road. It's not like there's a lot of cars parked on the road. It's more of an alley. And so, I, you know, I saw it, kept walking. And then I started to slow down when it was getting closer to us because it was going, it was going faster than it needed to be going. The speed limit's 15 miles per hour on that street. And it was probably going about 20. Um, And then as it got close to us, it sped up. And so I think it hit us going 25, 30 miles an hour. And the guy just swerved right into us. I was screamed at the top of my lungs for him to stop when I realized, you know, that we were in danger. And he looked me in the eyes and I mean, I mean, I made eye contact with the guy and his face was just totally like a blank stare. And so I recall telling the police officer who came and took my statement at the hospital, said the guy must have been high as a kite on Lord knows what, because it just, you know, he looked right at me in the eyes and like that, I'll never forget. And then learning, you know, he had smoked pot that morning, but, but that was it. He wasn't, you know, stoned out of his mind. It was just, I, I mean, I, I have no doubt it was intentional now that I know this kid's 
history. But anyway, so we got hit and, you know, the first thing I did was pop up to see if Charlie was okay and the stroller was on its side and his knees were scraped up and he was obviously crying hysterically. And I just, all I could do was scream at everybody, call 911, call 911. There was a, there was a jogger that was behind us. This, she saw the whole thing happen. And I just recall screaming and screaming at her, call 911. There were construction workers everywhere and they rushed to the scene, but mostly to, to keep the guy um, from escaping his car because after he hit us, he tried to, to, to flee and a car coming in the right direction, this big pickup truck plowed him into a telephone pole and so that stopped him from driving off and then he and the passenger got out and were going to try to get away but they were prevented from doing so there were two people in the car yeah yeah wow. real thugs man yeah i'll send you a picture yeah and weren't they 17 what they were they weren't even 16 the guy turned 16 the day before he hit us wow so yeah. he didn't have a driver's license he was driving a quote unquote stolen rental car that some some guy from his neighborhood rented the car i think it was i think the guy's a drug dealer i mean this guy had had a rap sheet as well i think the kids were delivering drugs for him because he rented the car for one day and then reported it stolen three days after the accident wow (laughs) wouldn't cooperate with police you know and and then and nobody does anything about anything because they're, they're very unmotivated working under Gascon, even though the police don't roll up under Gascon. Their hard work, the detective's hard work, goes pretty much unrewarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's zero accountability. You can do anything you want. It's absolute anarchy and chaos. And there's those who go out, they're straight up murders. They're now out yeah. of jail, and then they go and do the same thing over and over and over and over again. It just, it's beyond me, man. It doesn't make any viable sense, you know? I- God, you are just, yeah. So, I mean, I I can't even, I have a hard time articulating just the feeling that I have because it's, there's either people like you and people like me, like like you're educated about, about the issue. I'm a victim and have learned the hard way. But then you've got all these other people that are still just kind of walking around la-di-da and can't connect the dots to why things are the way they are i mean i think i think pretty much everybody feels less safe or has noticed that hey my nice neighborhood is not as nice as it used to be my neighbor's house got broken into my car or you know my neighbor's car got jacked or you know whatever they mm-hmm. steal catalytic converters or whatnot and, and it is a direct roll-up to, to george gascon and his policies but i think most people don't realize that and even the people that I know who know me that live in L.A., I'm having a hard, John and I, I mean, John and I, David and I are throwing a fundraiser for John next week. You're welcome to join if you would like Love to. Um, coming down to L.A. for that. And I'm having a hard time getting people that I know to show up. Mm. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, vote for John. Show us the money. Like, that's like. You know what's most important, but I just don't think people are taking it that seriously. Let me so ask. You, let me ask you a question. If if you weren't a victim in this case, do you think you'd be more educated in the political realm? Hey there, guys. It's Mike. You know, as I've delved deeper into how big institutional brands support world economic health agendas and push these woke ideologies, it's become glaringly obvious that our everyday purchases matter more than you think. 
If you're anything like me, you're tired of unintentionally supporting brands that don't align with our values. Imagine this. Every time you swipe your card, you're casting a vote. Not in a political booth, but in the marketplace. It's time we shift our support from giants like Clorox and Lysol to brands that truly resonate with us, the real people. Brands that understand our core values and beliefs. And that's where Sono comes in. Not only are they a brand you can stand behind, but they also provide quality products that every household uses and needs. We have Clorox canisters or 409 sprays around the house, right? But do we ever stop to think about where our money goes once we've made that purchase? Well, it's time to shake things up. Sono is offering every single listener of this podcast an unbeatable deal. You're getting 30% off plus free shipping if you're in California. All you have to do is use coupon code Mike at checkout. Head over to sonowipes.com and look for the essential bundle. It's your golden ticket to try out all their amazing products. And trust me on this. Once you experience Sono's products, you'll wonder why you ever settled for the big brands. Together, we can create a movement, a movement that's already gaining momentum out there. Let's use our dollars wisely. Let's boycott brands that don't support our values and let's support our friends, our families, and the future of our communities. Remember, every choice matters. Choose wisely. Choose Sono. I do because um, when I first moved to L.A., I lived in Santa Monica for for a couple years. And then my husband and I bought a house in Venice, um, you know, 2020, October of 2020. And the neighborhood went like real downhill after that pretty quickly. Once the sheriff cleaned up the boardwalk in Venice, the homeless people just kind of started drifting down because we were on that little sandbar peninsula south of the Venice Pier. You know, we didn't have major issues, but, you know, walked out the front door one day and there's a kid um, who just scored some crack or something and he was just smoking it up right out in front of our front gate. Uh, We had a homeless guy that pulled out a machete on my husband when he opened our garage door. And then, you know, the police didn't come because... We, he went back inside and, you know, we locked the doors and called 911 and they were like, well, you know, is your life in danger right now? And the answer is no, it's not at the moment. And so they didn't come for a few hours and the guy was long gone by then. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. crazy. So I think that I would have been much more clued into, yeah, George Gascon or being the reason for the demise of um, civilization. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I ask you that because there's a lot of people that are just kind of status quo and la-di-da about what's really happening on the streets and why it's happening. Why is this happening? And it's sad because I'd say a handful of politicians have really ruined the state of California. And it's unfortunate, but sometimes you have to be the victim to wake up and realize what the hell is going on. It's got to hit you in the home. It's got to hit your aunt or your uncle, your cousin, your mom, your dad, somebody for you to realize, wait a second, okay, I heard it on the news, yeah, whatever, whatever, I'm just going to go out and go shop, I'm going to go buy some shoes, I'm going to go buy, I'm just going to go about my life, but wait, when it hits me at home, direct, targeted at me or my family, then people tend to wake up, and then it's, wait, why is this happening, and then they dig into why it's, wait, it's the President of the United States of America, eh, not really, it's mostly you're the guy at the local level, it's that governor, it's that mayor, it's that DA, you know, it's yep. the, it's the city council members. It's those people who are more important than the than the president of the United States of America. 
Totally. Absolutely. They are local politics is how you change, change your change. What matters to you most. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know how your husband reacted to this scene. Cause I, I'm, my blood is boiling and it, it was boiling when it happened. When I saw you get hit that day, I can't imagine what your husband was like that day. Oh man. He, um, he was not at home when it happened. He was at a physical therapy appointment and then was planning to like go to a meeting or something. And so, you know, all this drama is going on and one of my neighbors comes out and she's like, what can I do? I said, just keep calling David. I'd called him, you know, probably 10 times myself, but he's one of those guys that doesn't keep his phone on him when he's doing stuff. Um, so I said, he'll, you know, be out of this appointment probably in 30 minutes. So just, just keep calling him, just call him nonstop. And she finally got a hold of him. And then I, I spoke to him while I was still at the house, like the fire department was there and the police officers were there. Um, you know, we were getting ready to leave in the ambulance. And I, you know, I said, just come home because you got to get the freaking car with the car seat in it because otherwise we won't be able to leave the hospital. So come home, grab the car and then come meet me at the hospital. And so um, and I, I didn't articulate how bad it was. I mean, I was walking. Charlie was OK. So, you know, it was I was just like, you know, this is it was bad. But, you know, meet us at the hospital. And so he got home and there was blood all throughout the house because I had run, we had a three-story house. So I'm like running up and down the stairs, getting diapers and bottles and just everything I think that we're going to need at the hospital. And so when he got home, he, A, couldn't even get into our garage because the kid's car plowed into a telephone pole that was like blocking our access to our alley, to the garage. So he couldn't get the car. He, and he, he, you know, still had no idea what had really happened, except he saw my blood. He went up to our roof and then was looking down on the, you know, and what, what was going on behind the house, essentially. And, um, you know, the two kids were still there. They were with the police officers just kind of standing up against our neighbor's garage. And my husband didn't know which one it was, but like probably would have killed him had he known because that's like he is very grateful that he didn't know how bad it was because I think he probably would have, you know, yeah. kicked the kid's ass. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And and then he'd be the one in jail, right? Yeah. Because oh. he's not a minor. He'd be behind bars still to this freaking day. He'd still be in jail. 100%. He would yeah. still be in jail. Yeah. You guys would be in and out of court. You'd have to hire some attorney and yeah. you'd have to spend six figures. It's, it's such a joke. You know, they talk about crimes being down in California or, or LA or whatever. <laughs> This kid who hit us, he was given a traffic citation and sent home to his mother. Unbelievable. Fucking traffic citation. Excuse my language. Oh, yeah. No. Now, this dude, uh, was he in jail for five months? He, I don't know exact, the exact amount of time that he spent in this camp. Not jail, like no barbed wire, like pretty much just you're living in a facility with a bunch of other delinquents like yourself, uh, sorry, degenerates, and um, going to school, like at this place, at this camp. Uh, he was sentenced four to seven months, and I think he spent a little more than five there. They tried to get him out early, and I had to, I wasted two entire days on a freaking Zoom call 
for this hearing that he was having where the parole officer was saying what a good boy he was. And then I'm finding out behind the scenes from the deputy deputy DA on my case that the, the people actually, um, I'm forgetting the name of their role, the, the people that work in these places um, were basically like, this kid's getting in fights. Like he was in like 20 something fights and getting bad grades and just up to like gang activity type stuff. But the, the parole officer is, is, you know, writing this glowing review. And unbelievable. Like the amount of time and money and energy that goes in to trying to, I mean, I don't even know if they're trying to save these people. I don't know what they're doing. This kid clearly needed saving and they didn't do him any favors. They didn't do me any favors. It's just, it's a mess. Now he, he went back on the streets and did, did he, did he die? He was murdered. He was murdered. <laughs> Sorry. I just, it's yeah. just so comical to me because if, if, if he had been punished appropriately for the crime crimes he committed, he'd still be behind bars. He'd be alive. There might be a chance at rehabilitating this guy. Probably not. I think he was a pretty bad apple, but um, yeah. He, he was murdered. He's dead. He got in a fight with a kid in front of Jack in the Box over a girl. They waited for him to walk home, drove by, and shot him. Wow. And the passenger, what happened to him? I don't know. I was not given his name because he's a minor or was the minor at the time. I have no idea about this kid, but I mean, just picture like a thug, like with, you know, a kid with tattoos on their face. This kid had tats on his face. Yeah. Scum of scum. It's scum yeah. of scum. That's that's just it. I, I'm, I'm sorry. If, if somebody's listening out there and their kid's that way. Yeah. You've, yeah. I mean, you, you have a scumbag. I'm sorry. That's just yeah. that's just uh, <laughs> what it is. Okay. Now this kid, we know he's on drugs. He's probably playing video games, and that Grand Theft Auto. When you go and just run people over, he's you know he's he screwed up in the head, obviously. But his intent. I wonder. I wonder if you weren't strolling a kid, if his intent would have been different. I, that's kind of what I think. I mean, the, the street was, uh, it's a very high pedestrian traffic street. Um, you've got joggers. I mean, it's its adjacent to the beach, you know. So you've got people, it's mostly neighborhood people, and they're, they're just running up and down or walking up and down. I can't tell you how many nannies there are pushing kids and strollers Jeez. up and down this street. I mean, I'm just so grateful, like, I wasn't checking my phone or anything because it happened so fast, like, you know, we yeah. would have been just splat. Do you remember voting for the district attorney? I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I did. I'd say I'm 90% certain I did. And I believe my logic at the time, which was like totally illogical, um, was that I had just recently, well, a couple years prior, moved down from San Francisco to L.A., and I have fond memories of San Francisco. You know, I loved living there. And it became increasingly less safe as I was living there. And I had no idea because I was totally checked out to politics and, and you know, you know how the world works. I had no idea that it was a direct reflection of what George Gascon was doing. And so in my mind, um, I think I think I voted for George Gascon because I thought, I love San Francisco and, you know, anybody that's 
running for this position clearly wants the best for the citizens of this county or city. Also, he had a, I mean, he had so much money from, from, from Soros backing his campaign. They ran a really good smear campaign, I think against it was Jackie Lacey. Is is that who? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, shame on me. Shame on me. Well, what do you tell, what do you tell those that this upcoming election, what do you tell those? What should they do? What kind of background check should they be doing on the next uh, district attorney? It's hard. Um, I don't know who I would choose if I didn't know John. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I know actually three of the candidates, John John being one of them. And John has my vote. And I mean, not that I'm voting, but if I was in L.A., John would have my vote. He has my full support. I told him anything he wants me to do, I'll do it for him. He's just the greatest guy. Um, he's incredibly passionate about his job. He cares about victims. When I met him in... Well, I, I spoke to John shortly after we got hit, so it would have been on um, August of 2021, and he had posted a video or shared the video of us getting hit on his Twitter and said, here the mother and son are okay, yada yada, unfortunately, probably nothing will happen to this kid. Mm. And so I reached out to him, and I said, you know, I, I, I came across this on Twitter or someone sent it to me. And I have no idea what to do. None. Like the detective just said, don't expect anything to happen. They don't give you a phone number. They don't, they don't, they don't give you anything as a victim. And so my husband and I were just like, well, what the heck? And so then we started calling attorneys and people, I mean, unless you're working, I mean, it wasn't like an accident injury. It's, it was a, um, it wasn't a civil suit. It's, it's a, um, it's a criminal case. And so with a criminal case, the district attorney's office handles it for you, right? So it's not like you just go out and hire an attorney and you're going to go sue somebody or put them in jail yourself. You can't. Um, and so anyway, I reached out to John and in the middle of his Nipsey Hustle trial, takes the time, t- talks to me and my husband, walks us through what would have happened if we were living in like a normal world versus what's currently happening under George Gascon and and was like, unfortunately, probably nothing will happen to him. But he connected us with an attorney who worked pro bono for us. And she was super helpful. And anytime I had a question, John answered it like immediately. And he's just so passionate. He's so smart. He's got an incredibly unique story, his personal life story. And he's just he's just hardworking and cares. And he was going out, he's been going out to like support victims every weekend for as long as I've known him before he, you know, was intending to run for DA. He's just, he's a really good guy. I can't say enough nice things about him and the kindness that he offered me and my family will just, it makes me cry. Yeah, I get that too. I've never met John. He was on my show, I believe early last year and he's as as frustrated as anybody and that's Mm -hmm. his boss. He's never met him. George Gascon has never met these guys. You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah. He, I think John said he's like two stories below or above him, and he can easily just bring all of them. I mean, the first look at what does a leader do on his first day, first order of business? He brings everybody in. Hey, I'm the new chief in town. I, I want to hear everybody's issues, positive, negative. Let's sit down. Let's talk about this thing. How do we make this city great, right? How do we make it safe? How do we, how do we make sure that a kid... And his mom can walk the dog at night and not feel uh, that that they are they are unsafe because that stuff is non-negotiable. 
Yep. That is non-negotiable. Safety is non-negotiable, period, at any time of the day. And so he didn't. He doesn't even know. He doesn't know more than half of his crew, of uh, his staff. No. Well, and I don't know if you heard, but he demoted John. He demoted a bunch of of really bigwig prosecutors, and John was one of them. Yeah. He's no longer, you know, doing the the major crimes division. You know, Rachel, that, that to me actually is actually a compliment. Because he is oh, probably yeah. scared of him, and he's he, you know, he 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 knows he's going to be his competition coming up uh, in this election, yeah. and that's actually a compliment. That's that's it, a good thing. It totally is. But yeah. oh god, when I when I found out, I I cried. Yeah, I'm such a baby now. I cry about everything. But yeah. it's just you know, when you know John, he cares so much, and he loves his job, yeah. and does such a great job for for the families that that he defense and it's just you know it's just really crummy so anyway i can't say enough nice things about john but for people to do research i mean i don't know what i would do there's 12 people including gascon that are running a lot of them are in the da's office um i think john might have the most tenure of of anybody but he also i think has the most diversity um, because he's he's just bounced around to like to different divisions. You know, he's worked in the juvenile courts. He's worked in the major crimes. I think he's done um, just basic, you know, misdemeanor type stuff. I mean, you you need to know the whole system. I think to to truly make it better. And and I just don't think there's anybody more qualified. Down to earth guy too. He's he's a, super yeah, super cool. He's a good. He's a very good dude. Do you believe in the voting process? Oh, man, I feel like you got to have an IQ at some point these days to vote. There there should maybe be, I mean, it's our right to vote is so taken for granted, you know, and I think that everybody should have the right to vote, but maybe there should be some, a little bit of, you know, some qualifiers. I don't know. I I don't have the answer. I haven't given it any thought. I like that. Instead of an ID, because they don't check your ID anymore when you vote, they should check your IQ. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, apparently all the stupid people, including myself, voted for Gascon last time. You know, I've been telling everybody for the last uh, two, three, three years, four years, I, I've been telling everybody that it can only get better if it gets really bad. And it's really bad right now. And that's the only way it's going to get better or improve because people like you, and thousands, hopefully millions of others, wake up. They wake up. They finally figure out what the hell is going on and how crazy the government is in our lives, yeah. right? The government should never, ever control what we do in our life, ever. Stay out of no. our business. Let us do our thing. We'll, we'll pay you a little bit of taxes, but make sure you take care of the roads and the schools and the homelessness and all this stuff. And we're paying taxes, too much in taxes. Yeah, yeah. And none of that is getting taken care of. No. None. Zero, 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 nil, nothing, zero. So how do you trust the politician? You know, how do you trust the politician? So this is uh, this is what's wrong with our country today. And, and right now, especially our state, California is the greatest state in the world fifth largest economy in the world. It can run on its own. It's a well-oiled machine. If you just get out of its way, just get out of its way and let it operate. And uh, they, they just can't because they love the control. They love the control you. And uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's just what it comes to. They want big government. They want to control the people. And um, it's very sad. It's very sad what's happened in California. I, I truly just don't even understand it because because Gascon has the backing of like, you know, the Democratic Party 
and, you know, a bunch of other, you know, I can't remember who supports him, but it's basically, he's got, he's got the stamp of approval from, from the government. Mm -hmm. And that I just don't, I just don't get like a, I don't think government should be involved with safety, prosecuting crimes, you know, it's public safety is, I mean, sure. It's a governmental, you know, organization, the, the, the DA's office and police. I don't know. Is the police officers even governmental? I guess it is. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's down to control. It's, it's down to control, Rachel. It's down to control. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you why, because it's easier to control the people while there's chaos, because when there's chaos, fear. They then come out and say, okay, we're going to allow you, you know, COVID real, not we, we, that's a whole different conversation, but yes. when they lock you in your house and then they, then, then they say you can now come out and you can now shop or you can now go out. You can go to a, a venue. You can go to a concert. Oh my God. Thank you. Government. Thank you so much for allowing me to go to a concert or a baseball game. Right? So it's, it's, it's chaos. They, they bank on chaos and that's what uh, George Soros is all about. He's all about chaos. And that's how he, he's made his billions of dollars. So when there's chaos and then they come back to you and say, okay, uh, no longer able to live this hundred percent life. You can now live this 50% life. No problem. It's okay. I just want to leave the house and do my thing, but you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. So it's, that's how you control the people. And I think, yeah. I think COVID, I don't know how you look at it, but I think COVID was definitely definitely a way to find out how easily they can manipulate the population and yeah well um, they they yeah they they cracked that code for sure yeah yeah they did very well so man we can go on forever i think we touched on a lot of different things i want to ask you a a hard-on sincere 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 question are you okay i am i will be whole again when george gascon is no longer the da and hopefully when John McKinney is in office, that will be the sweetest revenge I could ever, ever hope for. Um, you know, I've, I've processed the trauma of, of the accident, um, but I am having a very hard time and have a lot more trauma around the fact that the system in which I've put so much trust in to protect me did absolutely nothing to protect me and my child didn't care about us basically just threw us to the wayside to try to quote unquote, save this, you know, this, this juvenile's life who they ended up losing for him anyway. It's so messed up. Um, I, I took it very personally because in one part, George Gascon's office came out and, and made a public statement about what happened to me and, and said that, you know, I just walked away with some like abrasions and I'm okay. And it was California law that they followed and the punishment fits the crime and yada, yada, yada. And, my blood still boils from that. And I'd like to thank you for having me on this podcast because um, I wish when I got all the media attention that I got like a year and a half ago, John wasn't running for DA. I was, I was helping the recall Gascon um, campaign to, you know, to try to get Gascon recalled. But I, I thank you for giving me the voice to be able to support John um, now because I, I just wish I could, I wish I could just scream it from the rooftops. I wish people would give me the attention now. I don't personally want the attention, but I just think it's, I just feel so passionately about trying to right 
the wrong that's been done to all of LA because I, I don't know, I, I can't just, I'm having a hard time or I had a hard time acknowledging that I was a victim and now, okay, I was a victim, but really I'm a victim of George Gascon. I'm a victim of his policies because, because I survived. I walked away. My kid's okay. We're super lucky. Like most people don't, that doesn't happen to most people. There are people and, you know, have had such horrible, horrible things happen to them or their family members. They've lost lives and you know Gascon's just like rubbing it in their face <laughs> I mean it's it's truly unbelievable the, the, the types of things that have gone on and that he's still he's still around and he hasn't changed his policies sorry I'm just totally rambling but no, it's okay um it's I am fine and I will be fine and I just will be fine a lot faster as soon as he's out of there that's how much that's how passionate you are about this you don't even live in LA County anymore like, no, I'm flying down to L.A. to to, yeah. to help John. My husband and I are throwing a fundraiser for him. You know, anything anything he wants, I'll do for him because I he just has my support and, and he was there for me when I needed when I really needed somebody, and I'm just eternally grateful for that. All you need to know is the murders and those who are in jail have tattoos of Gascon, and they're <laughs> recorded by saying Gascon is my homie. Yep. Yep. That's the district attorney. Yep. That's all really that you have to know. So Such a train wreck. He'll is. get his. I think so too. I think, uh, Rachel, I think a lot of these people will get theirs. Uh, I just wish it would come sooner rather than later. But uh, there's no doubt. You do good, good things will happen. You do bad, it's going to catch up to you. And That's right. there is no doubt that there's a lot of people that it's going to catch up to. So I don't, I don't wish evil on anybody, but I, I look forward to that day. <laughs> Same. And it takes a tough person to uh, get through something like that. And I always say, I, I think sometimes girls are tougher than men because I know a lot of men would crumble up and uh, not be able to uh, get through something like that. So that's a that's a lot of trauma, and that baby to be alive and her head, uh, Rachel's head under the tire. I mean, the chances of both of them dying are very high, and man. Yeah, there, there was an angel there somewhere watching both of them, looking down on them. So incredible. I, I'm so happy for them. I'm happy for her. She's going to get through this. She's getting tougher. She's getting better. Therapy has helped her. Wake up if, if you haven't been awake yet. I know most of my audience and listeners are with me, and we're mostly all of us are on the same page here. But you can't be that delirious to know what's happening in the streets of L.A. and in California and what they're trying to do. This episode, hopefully, open your eyes a little bit and understand how important elections are. Even though I don't agree that they're 100% legit, realize how important elections are. John McKinney is running for district attorney. That's a very big position now. You've learned how important that position is. And I think you've learned how important that position is because what George Gascon is doing in the streets of LA is absolute, it's, it's anarchy. And... I mentioned they say that the crime rates have come down but nobody's getting prosecuted including this 16 year old punk and all the other people that are doing all kinds of crap on the streets zero accountability it's an absolute disaster it needs to change so i thank her for coming on i thank you for listening i'm in the middle of this water fast and i'm going to do an episode on it once i'm done i'm not sure how i got through that episode um but i did and uh i'm starting to feel a little bit better I'm in, uh, I'm in, I'm getting close to 24 hours now with no food 
just water and electrolytes. I'm not going to lie. I saw a few things in the pantry when I got home and I said, I'm going to grab one and tell nobody about it. But I didn't do it. Thank you for making me a part of your day. I am Mike Gabriel. This is Mike the Pod. Until next time, folks, no wasted days. Let's go. Let's go.